You're listening to Podcasting Made Simple, where we deliver weekly masterclass episodes that help podcast hosts and podcast guests elevate their podcasting game. I am your host, Alex Sanfilippo. Today's episode features audio from a session of the latest PodPros quarterly event. To learn more about the speaker in this episode, along with other helpful resources, including the video version of this episode and links to attend next quarter's event, please visit podpros.com slash 193. And now please enjoy today's episode. Thanks so much for having me, Alex. Really appreciate all you've done for me and my work. Welcome, everybody. My name is Wade Galt, and I'm here to talk to you about how to maximize the relationship and marketing return on investment with your podcast guests. Now, if you've ever done a podcast and released one, you know that some people will share your episodes, some won't. Some people you get really excited about having on your show, and you have them on, and you think you're going to be besties, but you never talk again. Sometimes you'll get really big name people, and you think that's going to be awesome for your show, but maybe they don't share it because they have so much going on, or maybe it doesn't hit, or maybe there's just so many episodes of them out there that yours doesn't really get the traffic. In my experience in business of over 20 years, we want to build on relationships, traffic, trends, downloads, likes, those things will come and go, but the relationships can stand the test of time. And so I'm going to give you some ideas on how you can do this in very simple ways. And the first thing is to only interview high quality guests that you believe you'll be lifelong relationship with. So you're going to want to connect with people that you think you're going to be in touch with them five years from now, 10 years from now, and that they're going to be likely to share the assets, the podcast uh, videos and the clips and to share it with their social media. So this sometimes can rule out some of the really, really famous people that again, they're not bad people. They're not good people. They simply have a lot going on on their calendar. So they're probably not going to share your episode unless you're a really big deal. I'm not yet a big deal, and I found that I can be a big deal for people who are sort of at my level of famousness, if that's a word, or a little bit above it or a little bit below it. If I go too far above that, it can be difficult. I'm not against that, and I can definitely learn from people like that. So I'm not saying don't do that, but for the most part, 80% of your guests-ish, make sure it's people that you know they're going to share the content and you feel confident that you've built connections with them and that there's going to be something more than just a transactional activity. Second thing, conduct pre-interviews to create rapport, to build rapport with your guests and to create what I like to call second date interviews. So if you've ever been on an interview as a guest before and there was no previous research done by the podcast host and sometimes they'll just say, hey, um, well, you're, you're here. Why don't you tell everybody what you do? And I've even had somebody that I showed up to his podcast. He's like, oh, I thought you were someone else. He said, well, while we're here, why don't we just do this? It felt kind of <laughs> transactionally and, and weird. I guess if it was a date, it'd feel really, feel really weird. But overall, you want to be able to connect with these people, your guests, to make sure they're a good match, to make sure they understand that they're there to serve your audience, and then also to get to know enough about them that by the time you record the interview, that you're deeper into the conversation with them. Even if it's a 30-minute interview or a 50-minute interview or a 45 to a 55-minute interview, that you're getting more information than just their standard canned answers. If your podcast interview sounds like everybody else's interview, then there's going to be no reason that people want to listen to you specifically or to how you interview people. Think of some of the best interviews, Larry King, uh, Joe Rogan. They pull something from their guests that not everybody else gets. Pre-interviews help you do that. 
Third thing, create professional quality video episodes. And yes, I'm going to stress video. You're not going to always get a lot of traction on YouTube for the video episode itself, but the assets you're going to be able to create from that are huge. They're very shareable and people want to share those. And as much as I love Zoom for its convenience, you want to find something that's more powerful, something like let's say Squadcast or Zencast or somebody that has a software that's going to record locally for both of you all and create higher quality video. A lot of the times people will have lower quality video and then they'll pay their freelancers to kind of dial up the quality. I'd rather have the great audio and video quality from the get-go. Somebody's going to be less likely to share your episode if there's kind of gurbling in it or if the video doesn't look good, even if it was a great interview. So we want to have the best assets and the best video possible. Next, produce and share first-class video clips for social media. And this is going to be something that I encourage you to follow what's going on trend-wise, whether it be on TikTok and Instagram Reels, where at least right now at this recording of this, I'm getting a lot of views on that. Follow the conventions, not so much copying what everybody's doing, but notice, for example, on LinkedIn, if you use square videos with the captions below it, and you have a nice heading and it looks professional, people are going to view that. And then the people that are on your show, your guests, make sure you're following them and make sure you're tagging them in the episodes. It's going to make it much more likely that they're going to share the episode. And when you have the day of your release, send them an email that says, hey, just to let you know, I've tagged you in these areas. Please go ahead and share those. We want them to look good. We want them to be treated like a rock star. We want them to experience that. And for them to know that you're a type of person they want to do business with over the long run by how you handle the little things. Next is create a personal touch with thank you videos. Now, if you're familiar with Loom, uh, that's a company that a lot of people will make those little videos. I happen to use Vimeo. Uh, there's a lot of other companies that do similar things like that. Simply taking 30 to 60 seconds after a pre-interview, after an interview, to tell the guest, hey, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate what you shared. And not just some canned message, but definitely looking directly into the eye and sharing something that's unique about what's going on. If nothing unique happened, if it was very transactional for you, then I encourage you to consider that that in the future might be somebody that you look at the interview or the pre-interview and, and think what were the sort of signs ahead of time that led you to believe that, okay, this wasn't going to be something special. We want to create special episodes. You're never going to know what's going to be magic or awesome. Probably one of the best things that I hear back is when somebody says, I listened to one of your episodes and I did business with that person because of you, because of the episode. And that's really an awesome feeling. Next, send them a sticky gift. I happen to have written a book many years ago. I bought a bunch of them and the days when it was print on demand wasn't quite out yet. And I had a bunch from my garage, still have a few of them in my garage. And I share those books with people. So I'll mail books to people and actually got a recently, a really brilliant tip uh, from a friend I just interviewed who's in Australia. If you're in, let's say, United States where I am and the person's in Australia, don't mail them the book. That's kind of expensive. Buy the book on Amazon, buy an author's copy and mail it to them through Amazon Australia or wherever they may happen to be. So that was just something that you know, save you a few bucks each time, but send them something sticky. And there's magic if you do have a book that when you're on somebody's bookshelf, sometimes people just looking at your book, it'll create an anchor. You'll remember what's going on or, or what it says in some books. For example, Chris Kermitzo's Start Ugly. I can just look at the cover of the book and it reminds me of three to five of the main points of the book. I don't even have to read the book again, but it's there. And so again, being able to give people something where you become part of 
what they talk about and how they share things. And then people, yes, see that your book is on their bookshelf uh, or it's somewhere that's nearby. And so that becomes sticky. Now, there's other things. I happen to send bookmarks. Uh, there's other things you can do. A gentleman I interviewed had little coins he had with his logo of his business on it. Robin uh, Waite sent those. So there's different ideas you can do to share that, uh, which is a great way, again, to show people you appreciate them and to let them realize, uh, again, that you're there to help them and you want to build this longer-term relationship. Invite them to speak at your virtual events. So one of the things that I learned pretty quickly was the idea that the people who I pre-interview, of course, I screen out some of all the people that have applied. So let's say if all the people that applied, let's say 100 people applied, and maybe let's say 20 of them I decided, okay, I'd like to do a pre-interview with those people. And usually for me, let's say 18 out of those 22 are going to end up being interviews, maybe even 19. It's very rare after the pre-interview or after the screen, excuse me, that the pre-interview doesn't go uh, well, because usually I've, I, I pre-screen pretty well. I'll look at some of their uh, episodes or that sort of stuff. But basically, of those, let's say, 18 to 20 that come on the show, realistically, about five to 10 of them are going to do the episode. They're going to do a great job and gasp. They're not going to share your episode. They're not going to share it no matter how well you did, no matter even if you followed all the steps that I've shared with you, they're just not going to share it. It's kind of disappointing. It's frustrating at times, but people have different schedules. There's a lot of different reasons and, and definitely don't take it personally. I know at times I've taken it personally. I didn't say anything, thank God. And then later the person would come back and say, oh, I was really kind of tied up with this or that or whatever it might be. And instead of all the drama that was going on in my head of, oh, well, they just think they're so important or they're too busy for me or they're too cool for me, they were just busy. They were just, you know, life is going on. But what I realized is then of, let's say, the other 10 of the 20, that some connected even more. They shared the episodes and whatnot. And then there's about two to three to five of them that really shared. They followed me back. Uh, they would reshare the post and we kept in touch. And in most cases, those were people where our messages resonated with each other. And there's some overlap in how we can serve audiences. So when I did my first virtual event, all I did was look at the list of people who I had on my show that were awesome and said, hey, I'm doing this virtual event. Would you like to come out and do it? And so that's something I know that, you know, Alex has done with this. It's just reached out to people that he knows uh, that he's got a proven track record with. And so building this out and inviting them to your events, your virtual events, and just to be a greater part of your world uh, definitely is helpful. Next, genuinely engage with their social media. And I want you to think about this. A lot of people spend a whole lot of time going to networking meetings or they'll go to masterminds and sometimes they're just going to masterminds or to live events just to meet people. Now, masterminds and live events can be great for meeting people, but usually, for example, if you're doing a mastermind, hopefully you're really engaged or involved with the topic. If you're going to an event, hopefully you're engaged with the topic. If you're just looking to meet people, gosh, your podcast guests are a great place for you to meet people and for you to get to know them better. And so if you start engaging with their social media and back and forth, that's where I've seen some of the best relationships built. And it's one of those relationships, kind of like old friends, where you just know they've got your back. They're going to you know, share your stuff and, and vice versa. And so it's just something simple. And it's always nice to get a few sort of free likes, if you will, from somebody you know that's uh, looking out for you. And the more you do that for people, uh, they're going to be more likely to do it for you. Certainly, if over time you support somebody's work and they really don't do anything, you hear crickets, uh, well, then no problem. Kind of move on from there. As you get to know them more, you might decide you want to co-create products with them. And so you're going to find there's going to be a lot of people you have synergy with. And 
there might be overlap of topics. So for example, if you speak with somebody, let's say like Molly McLaughlin, who's a sleep expert, and I help people work a three-day weekend, well, there's some tie in there. You take someone like Alex with Podmatch and people want to get guests and okay, there's a tie in there. So there's different things you can do where you can partner with people and co-create products uh, or simply co-promote them with each other and share each other's work and support each other's work in a way that's very natural, that's not um, forced, it's not contrived, it just kind of flows. And then yes, promote their work in social media. So a lot of times when I have friends that are releasing a program or a course, they might have a post on LinkedIn where they're sharing about it. And I'll just share that. And I'm not even looking for an affiliate commission. Sometimes I have an affiliate relationship. Most of the times I personally don't. I'm not against them. I just know that when I share it with my list and sometimes people ask, oh, are you getting anything on this? And I'll say, nope, this is just a friend who has good stuff and check it out. And again, you can certainly, of course, make a lot of money as an affiliate, but you don't have to be an affiliate to support somebody's work. You can just simply share and help each other with what they're doing. So I want you to just consider in all the relationships you've been in as a host, And as a guest, how have you showed up? Have you showed up really giving and serving or have you showed up there kind of transactionally? I know one of the things that happens with book authors is very often they're so focused on their book that they sometimes forget that that message of their book really should be tailored to the audience. And so that's one of the things in the interview, uh, the scheduling, the calendar tools I use, that there's questions that ask them, hey, what are some questions that are specifically going to help my audience of entrepreneurs looking to work a three-day weekend or have a three-day weekend lifestyle? What does that look like? Uh, How can you tailor your message a little bit to them? And again, this is where the pre-interview comes in, where you get stronger interviews, you get to know people deeper, and you like to you get the chance to have something deeper come from the interview than just what is their normal canned presentation. So I hope you find this helpful. There's really so much you can do to support other people's work. And what you're going to find is so many of your guests, it's not so much that you're going to make a million dollars because of them, but they're going to introduce you to something or they're going to share an idea with you, or they're going to have something that they just figured out that nobody else has figured out. And they're only going to tell it, say, three to five of their friends, and you're going to be one of those people. That's what a lot of this is as far as what can come out of it. Now, from a just giving standpoint, depends on your view of the world. I happen to have experienced and and have pretty good knowledge and belief that the world runs in some sort of karmic way. You do good things for people, and even if they don't know about it, good things come back to you. And so just being professional and putting out assets into the world that look great so that when you're on LinkedIn, for example, if you're B2B, business to business, that people just see great assets out there. And so when I'm sitting there and I'm nodding and my guests are sharing something that's that's really brilliant and they look great at it and they're sharing it with their friends and then some of their friends are commenting. And of course, if their friends are commenting, I'm connecting with them on LinkedIn. And what you see is there's just this sense of, well, wow, anybody that comes through Wade show, there's really great assets being created. And number one, I'd like to be on that show. Number two, I'd like to do business with the person that's on that show. And number three, if Wade's anywhere near my topic, I'd like to do business with him because as hopefully you've figured out, a lot of the times people choose the person first and then kind of figure out what it is they do business with. They'll say, well, I just know I want to do business with Alex. I know like, I, I like Alicia. I like Chris Kermitsos. I like Andrew Weiss. There's people that you just meet. You're like, I want to do business with that person. What do they do, by the way? You want to be able to deliver in a way that helps that happen. And so 
when it's on LinkedIn and you've got your square videos and they're looking great, that's great. And then if you go over to, let's say, TikTok or Instagram Reels or your stories and you have the same video, uh, somewhat slightly formatted differently and, and vertical and you're sharing and getting traction there, people, you start running into people. You start knowing the same people and people start realizing they make connections. And one of the things I've definitely found is not all of my business that I get because of my podcast is directly related to the topic of the podcast. There's other business models I'm involved in that I've been involved in for years. And sometimes people just see me creating great assets and they want to be a part of that. And so last thought is I want you to think about when you do an interview with a guest is to come from the intention that if you vetted this person and you think they're a great guest, that you want them to get two, three, five, 10, 15, 20 clients or leads from this podcast. So for that hour that you're interviewing them or half hour, whatever it is, I want you to think as if you were working for them, what can you do to help the right people get to them? And so the way I explain to my guests is what I like to do is have the interview go kind of like a subtle webinar. And we'll start out with, nice to meet you. What's your story? Generic topic, generic topic, go a little more precise. And by the end, what my intention is and my goal is, and when I'm remembering to do this, I'll set an intention before the the interview. And I happen to believe there's a God or some greater force out there. So I'll ask for guidance in this. And I'll just have the sense of, okay, I really want to bring to this person, this guest, the people that they need to connect with and the people that need to connect with them and need to hear their message and see their work. I don't worry about what's in it for me. And when I'm able to do that, what usually happens is by the end of the episode, it becomes crystal clear for, let's say, 5% of the people that they need to reach out to this person. So it's not so much that I'm trying to sell something because I'm not making affiliate commissions. There's no specific call to action or no uh, vanity URL, and I'm not against those. I just don't even get that complex with it. I just look to say, and I tell the person, I want to make sure that the people who are supposed to hear your message and get to your message, get to it because I believe you're doing great work. And I can say that because I vetted them, because I've done their work. And even if I know their work intimately, even if I've read their books, I'm going to do my best, even though it doesn't always happen, to get them to do a pre-interview, to get them know them better, and to create a relationship with them. So I hope you find this helpful. Again, looking to help you create relationships, to create greater relationship and marketing ROI with your podcast guests. If there's anything to do to help you, please reach out to me. Again, thank you all for having me. Alex, uh, Alicia, thanks for all you'll do at PodPros and very grateful. Hopefully this serves you all. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Podcasting Made Simple. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please share a screenshot or picture of yourself listening to it on social media. Be sure to tag us so we can follow you and also reshare it. Additionally, if you know someone who would benefit from listening to this as well, please send it their way. For show notes and resources from this episode, please visit podpros.com slash 193. Thank you again for listening and I'm looking forward to bringing you another masterclass episode next week.